Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Marvelous Marco Mania, and I need your help to body slam breast cancer. For the entire month of October, you can head over to www.prowrestlingtees.com and search for Marco Mania and purchase my exclusive Ursula Mania pro wrestling t-shirt all proceeds that come to me from the sale of this shirt will be donated directly to the women's cancer resource center in berkeley california together we can continue to help one another defeat breast cancer for good you're locked in look at what we have here folks to the only show that matters the cream of the crop duke loves wrestling and there is no one that does it better than your host I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give you all a peek behind the curtain here. Okay, and this is kind of an interesting way to start the show, but when it comes to doing interviews and recording stuff, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, everything goes according to plan and it comes out perfectly every time and all that good stuff. But you folks, especially anyone who's been listening to the show for the past five years or so, you know that sometimes just plans don't come out the way that uh, you intend them to. And sometimes for the better, you know, and I think that uh, today is a great example of that. A couple of weeks back, I interviewed indie wrestler and trainer Rick Luxury and we had just a tremendous conversation and, and learned a lot about Rick during that time period and, and really just had a ball but unfortunately the recording got all mucked up and it just didn't work out so Rick and I had planned to do this over again for geez probably about a month now and, you know, life just kept getting in the way, which is kind of funny. But so much has happened since then. So the good part about time is that some of the things that we had initially spoken about, we can revisit the good parts, the really, really good parts. And we can add in some of the extra stuff that's happened between then and now. So I'm pretty excited about this conversation here because at initially I was getting to know Rick Luxury. And now I can truly call Rick Luxury a friend. And somebody that I really enjoy hearing from because I know so much more about him at this point. So without further ado, I guess I can say welcome back. Technically, you guys didn't hear it, but I'm going to say welcome back because we were going for a good, geez, good hour or so there. So anyway, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Now, Rick, I think you may have to unmute yourself here. Because, again, technology is what it is. But welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. The man, the myth, the legend, and I, I got to say this, the father, Rick Luxury. What's going on there, Rick? Hey, what's going on, Duke? So nice we had to do it twice. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, man, I, I take full responsibility for that. I mean, that's the technology is all on my end. I'm supposed to make it work. And for some reason... It, you know, it's and I think now that you have a, a freshly baked bun that came out of the oven over there, you got a new baby over there. You can understand Sit, this, sitting right? over my, sitting over my shoulder as we speak. Exactly, sitting over your shoulder. So you could you could totally relate to the fact that I thought it was going to go one way, but you know things had other plans there. So, but let's talk about that, Rick, because you have a baby. And your entire life has changed. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's changed. Uh, this is my this is my third kid, um, so I'm used to it. See, I was really smart. I had a game plan growing up when I was younger at 16 that uh, I wanted to be married and have a child by 28. Uh, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife who already had a child who I ended up adopting. And by the time I was 27 years of age, I married my wife. Uh, a month later turned uh, 
or sorry, I married my wife at 26, a month later turned 27. And within that year's time period, four days before my 28th birthday gave birth to my other daughter. Uh, and, and I was smart enough to know that I need to pace my kids out. I need built in babysitters. So my eldest daughter is now 17. My middle daughter is nine and my son is now seven months. I kept them eight years apart. That way they can help raise each other. So this ain't my first trip to the rodeo. Uh, the craziest thing, though, is having my son uh, in February, just a mere week before pretty much the pandemic broke out everywhere and everything got shut down. So this one was an interesting uh, child to raise in a pandemic with, you know, at the beginning of it, nothing being opened and everyone being scarce. You can't normally you want to go get your kids out there in the world and expose them to everything so they could build an immune system. But during this pandemic, it was kind of shelter in place and keep the kids themselves. And so it was, it was very interesting, but nonetheless, you know, stayed at it, thick skull, thick, uh, thick skinned. And, and it was, it was easy. My, my kids are, are all easy kids to raise and I'm very, I'm very gifted. You know, Rick, this is Duke loves wrestling. It's a, it's a pro wrestling podcast. And so let's talk wrestling. Well, hold on, hold on. Anyone who's listened to the show though, they know that as much as we love to talk about pro wrestling, we're going to get there. Um, talking about the individual, the human being, is so much more or at the very least equally as important to me because relating to the listeners, you know what I mean? I can't necessarily relate to some big, strong person that can beat up the world. Uh, and maybe in my, my fantasy world, I can, but I can't relate to that in, in real life, but I can relate to somebody who has had to endure a global pandemic and deal with the touch and go and the challenges of the very basic necessities not being as accessible as it used to be. So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question here because this is really interesting to me. You just had a baby in February, the pandemic hits within, you know, between four to six weeks, everything started shutting down. Um, How, did you have any challenges getting the basic essentials for the baby, like diapers and wipes and things like that? Oh, uh, no. The hardest part was trying to, we had everything scheduled for my, uh, my son upon, you know, being born, uh, the hospital that he was born at, they didn't circumcise at the hospital. So I had to go to outsource a circum uh, to get a circumcision. And the biggest problem that I truly had was, uh, finding somewhere that I could, uh, my son was like a month old at the time. And, and it was like, it was really hard to find a place to get him in to get circumcised. That was the most difficult thing. Uh, also just, just getting him his immunization shots. There's a global pandemic going on and you're, you're worried about everyone catching what's go what's out there, but you don't want to immunize the, the, ba- you know, babies so that they can, fight off other things that exist like that was the biggest hassle was just trying to get the medical procedures done and the shots needed for my kid to be healthy and be able to grow uh during the pandemic was the hardest point getting baby food and 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 you know my wife breastfed so that was easy i didn't have to go look for formula or anything but the biggest problem was actually just trying to get a doctor to see my child just so he can get what what's necessary, you know, to be raised healthy. Do you have any advice for any, any young parents or soon to be parents? Because I'll tell you, man, this is, this is happening with everybody uh, being locked down for so long. We are going to see the next generation of the quote unquote baby boom. There's, There's no two ways about it. I know a lot of people in my circle of friends who are expecting you know? Yeah, I mean, I, this is the next. This is definitely the next. With with everyone being stuffed in the house, this is definitely the next baby boom generation. Um, when the kids get a little bit older, they'll be the quarantines. But that's not here nor there. Yeah, advice is listen to your kids, even even as babies. Just just listen to the way they act. Like you're you're more in tune to be around them now than when you were busy working all the time or let's let's go here let's go there because that doesn't exist so just listen to your children you'll know 
the sounds they make when they're okay, when they're not okay, when something's going on, you'll be able to, to perceive a better understanding on when something might be going wrong. If, if so, instead of before where life was so in the fast lane that you were here, there and everywhere that sometimes maybe you missed a sign and you didn't catch in time, your kid got really sick or something like that. Um, now you're more in tune to be around them full time. So just listen to your children. I mean, kids will give you their signs right off the bat every, you know, they don't know it's first nature to them. So listening to you tell your story about fatherhood, first of all, you're very modest. Clearly you're, you're back to not getting much sleep, which you were starting to catch <laughs> up over the past at least six years here. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I could have did your first podcast this morning. Um, I was up at 5 a.m. my time, which would have probably been 8 a.m. your time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the early birds were getting the worm over there, basically, right? Uh, basically, yeah. Your but your your fatherhood has closely mirrored your pro wrestling career. Whether we're talking when you first broke in as a wrestler, you're only a couple of years into the business when you became a father for the first time, right? Um, yeah, I was uh, I was in the business for a little under five years at the time. So, so a little uh, under for, five years, you were still cutting your teeth, you know. And in my generation, five years was still like you're a baby. Nowadays, five years, these people, these kids think they're veterans, but. And my and my time with the guys that we were growing up around uh, back in the you know two thousands, uh, five years was nothing. That was that was uh, a cup of coffee. A lot of folks, and and tell me if if this is the case with you and others that you've either worked with or trained. A lot of the old timers will say, once you start hitting year seven, oh. That's when you finally start to get a clue. It doesn't mean you know everything, but you start to get a clue somewhere around year seven, and then eight, nine, ten, you you start to hit a stride. Does that does that make sense? That is that is remarkably insane that that actually was just said because I have told every single one of my students that doesn't pick something up in month one, two, three, year one, year two. I have told all of them, look, guys, it took me seven years to find my niche, to find my groove, to just everything click. Like the lights were off and I thought I was seeing perfectly fine and seven years hit and the light switch got flipped on and it was a whole different world inside the wrestling business so the fact that you said that and and here i'm a west coast guy you're over there you're an east coast guy our paths have never crossed before a month ago this was not something we spoke about and just it it is so true that is that is exactly i guess i'm an old timer now 21 years in the business but it is so true i tell all my students seven years guys that's the lucky number seven years like whatever you and there's a lot of kids nowadays that are just naturals that just pick stuff up in year one year two you're looking at them like wow this this guy is great but it's really seven years and you fall into your niche and for anybody that thinks oh here's this guy just blowing smoke out his ass the fact of the matter is anybody that just watched gcw's uh collective the spring break collective uh one of my students Starboy charlie was on that show with another one of my students uh big juicy finale um but Charlie started wrestling with me, training at 11 years old. Charlie is 17 and a half right now. He's going into being 18. So when people look at him and they see what he's doing, they're like, wow, this kid is amazing. But what no one understands about that kid is he is going into his seventh year of professional wrestling. So when people see him and go, man, this kid's a natural, he's a breath of fresh air, he's actually pretty chiseled and has been around the business for seven years for everything to start clicking for him. I'm very glad to see that there's moves going on for that kid. Uh, you know, he this is his second run with uh, 
Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, my my student Juicy just got out there as well. His first his first run. They're both going to be in Anaheim this weekend working with Great uh, Game Changers again. You know that's that's a door opener. You know uh, another one of my students, Jungle Boy, got an opportunity to go work with uh, Joey Janela's company, Game Changer Wrestling, and from there a couple of shows was what knocked on the door for him to go to AEW. So big opportunities but once again it's one of those things seven years in the business and now it just works for this kid and all eyes are, and and all eyes are on this kid now and i hope nothing i hope he rocket ships you know to the to the highest standpoint of professional wrestling from it but yeah you're 100 percent correct there is a there's a seven-year method to this whole madness that like you can you can pick things up and and drop things along the way but it's seven years something just clicks within yourself where you understand you as a wrestler you understand your abilities in wrestling what you're capable what you could push yourself towards what you're not capable of what you need to work on and then it all just makes it smooth where you can go in there confidently and comfortably to go in and just do what you got to do with anybody you, know, you just said something really interesting there, and I want to dig a little deeper into that. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. I'm a, a student of the history. I love learning about the history. And, and one of the ways that I've learned about wrestling is listening to countless hours of interviews. I mean, literally, it's not enough to just watch the matches for me, Rick. I've, since I was a young kid, listening and reading about how the wrestlers view their careers and their peers and the business and things of that nature. Um, I say all that to, to get to this point. You talked about your student who started off when he was 11 years old. I'm not familiar with too many American born and, and I'm assuming he's American, born. I'm not too familiar with too many American born uh, kids who start so early I know that whether you're talking about, you know, the kids in Mexico or whether you're talking Japan, even on, over in the UK, I mean, you know, Tony Storm and Natalia up in Canada and, and a lot of these, these kids here, Ray Mysterio, and whatever, whatever, Riho, a lot of these folks absolutely started when they were young kids. But I'm not too familiar with hearing about that in America unless their parents were in the business. So um, give no, us some more background that, there. So Charlie's parents weren't in the business, but they were in a type of business very familiar with professional wrestling. In fact, uh, which made uh, McMahon Sr. a very, you know, very popular in the, in the time zone in New York was that he was a boxing and wrestling promoter. Uh, Charlie's Charlie starboard, Charlie's parents, his mother, uh, trains Olympic female boxers and owns babyface boxing in the Bay Area. And his father as well helps with the business in that aspect. So his parents were already inclined to, you know, at least in some aspect, uh, squared circle competition, whether it was, you know, even though it was boxing, not professional wrestling, they they understood the logistics of how wrestling or how how the the business kind of works through the boxing business, and when he took a peek and an interest to pro wrestling, they were lucky enough to find a training school in their hometown. Like they didn't have to go anywhere. It was it was right there in Pacifica, California. Uh, the all pro wrestling boot camp uh, ran out of Gold Rush Pro Wrestling with Sparky Ballard. Uh, they were able to get him in there. Uh, Sparky was a little hesitant at first, but you know, they were very like, Hey, if he can do it, he can do it. Let it let, you know, let him at least try it out. And, uh, they signed him up. The, some of the most supportive parents that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, uh, the kid, the kid came in to train and, you know, it was, it was like, Oh, at first it was kind of like, Oh, this is, this is kind of cute. This is kind of interesting, but, you know, how long will it last? Yeah, it's a kid, you know. Everyone, that's the one thing you think. It's like, oh, you know, some people probably looked at it as like, oh, they're pressuring their kid to do something they could never do. Um, 
on in that case, it was never like that. It was 100% Charlie's choice of, I want to be a pro wrestler. And, uh, a lot of people probably looked at it like, uh, you know, see the kid, let's see what the kid does. I know that the talk of the town was, well, let's see what the kid does at 13, you know, when, when he goes to high school and, um, he joined amateur wrestling at that point and started doing amateur wrestling as well as professional wrestling just to get his footwork better and, you know, have something to do in school besides just talk about what he does, you know, at training. And then after that, it was the talk of, well, let's see what happens when Charlie discovers girls like that might take up all of his time and he might, he might quit wrestling. Uh, and then and that wasn't the case, you know, and then it became the, let's see what happens when Charlie gets his driver's license and he's able to go do things with his friends. Now Let, let's see where it goes there. And it was never the case. The kid wanted to be a pro wrestler and he just really pushed to be a pro wrestler and he, he dedicated himself to training. I mean, any, any kid that can dedicate himself to training from the age 11 to the age 17 and literally that was their focal point besides getting good grades in school. Uh, as well as balancing amateur wrestling during wrestling season and having parents that, that run a boxing school and trying to take boxing classes to get your hand to eye coordination better. Uh, that's the full, that's the full thing. You know, that's what you'd want from any student. And the fact that he did it at such a young age and is still with it. And now is not being burnt out by the system because nothing happened and no doors opened, no windows or opportunities came his way. The fact that he is now about to become a actual legal adult in, uh, in America and is finally getting looked at after seven years of dedicating his time and effort. And this is going to be the youngest career for somebody, you know, at 18 that can walk in and, and, and make a big name for themselves. And he's been doing it long enough that he dedicated himself to it, that he absolutely 100% deserves it. So yeah, it was just by his choice and his parents were very supportive. So that's, that's how he got in the business. So young. We're talking to pro wrestler and the trainer of stars, Mr. Rick luxury. Now, Rick, you, you brought up a name a little earlier and you might as well jump into that as well. Another one of your students, jungle boy, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Jungle Boy is still a fairly young kid in his own right there. And you started working with him when he was even younger, right? Uh, yeah. And in fact, um, Jungle Boy came to San Francisco uh, and the talk was all about his dad at the time. Like, oh, is Luke, Luke Perry's going to be here at, uh, at Fox City Wrestling. And, and and no one understood why. Like, why were we being told this? Like, what what was the point? And the, and the point behind it was that his son at the time, Jack, was only twelve years old, and he was going to be there because he was interested in professional wrestling. Um, so Jack came out, and we worked a match where myself, my tag partner MPT, and my manager Marcus Mack took on uh, local wrestler Dylan Drake. And Dylan Drake's gimmick was actually named after 90210 character Dylan. So uh, the fact that Luke was there and his son Jack was going to be Dylan's little brother was the angle that they were going to do with this. And uh, he came into the match. He gave our, our manager a low blow when he tried to interfere. And he took the sliced bread from young Jungle Boy at 12 years old. And uh, Jungle Boy dabbled a little bit around the area at that time with wrestling. And then he also went down south and, you know, his parents were very supportive of him. So he got a ring and everything and started playing around. Um, but when he got a little bit older and decided to take it full time serious, he came back up north. And that's when I got to start training with Jack. And uh, the kid's amazing. <laughs> like I can't say... I can't say anything bad about the kid. I mean, you always hear these horror stories about uh, children of, of famous individuals, m whether it's mother or father was famous. You hear the horror stories of, oh, they were raised with a silver spoon in their mouth or, you know, oh, those, those rich snobby brats. Like, never, never the case with Jungle Boy at all. Like, one of the most loving, caring, humble kids there is very quiet to himself, never bragging. Um, in fact, came up with the Jungle Boy character on his own simply because he didn't want to be characterized as, oh, you're just so-and-so's kid. Um, 
you know, uh, an amazing athlete, by the way, uh, like you said last time, like the kids chiseled from, from a statue from Greeks, uh, like he's just in phenomenal shape. He, he can do some of the most amazing things I've ever seen inside of a ring uh, that didn't consist of somebody wearing a lucha mask and training since they were, you know, born. Um, and the fact is, is like, his his dad, you know, rest in peace. Uh, his dad, Luke, was, you know, an amazing person as well. And the coolest thing about it, like, here's just a side story: is Luke would show up to the shows when we would run uh, out here in, in California, and he didn't come to be Luke Perry. And Luke Perry's son was wrestling. He showed up as Jungle Boy's dad and would sit and watch his son because his son was the star. Um, in fact, when we worked at the world famous cow palace, uh, he wore a Lucha mask the entire time and sat in the crowd just as a normal fan, not to bring any attention to himself so that when jungle boy was in the ring, all eyes were on his kid because he was not, Luke Perry, TV actor, movie star. He was Jungle Boy's dad, just plain crowd watching wrestling fan of Jungle Boys. And uh, that's the way their family is. You know, they're very humble people and they're very caring people. God, they were just gifted with good looks and great ability. Uh, yeah, I can't say a bad thing about Jungle Boy. He's, he's a tremendous athlete. He's a young kid. Uh, I'm very glad to see that, you know, Game Changer Wrestling and AEW did something with him, all pro wrestling. He was able to make his mark there, and uh, now he's on TV, and he's doing his thing, and uh, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. I, I don't think there's a glass ceiling above his head. I think, you know, one day people are going to look at Jungle Boy and go, wow, Jack Perry is you know, a heavyweight champion. Jack Perry has the big, won the big one. He's got the big brass ring in his hand. Um, he's just another dedicated kid that's not going to give it up. Another kid that was young, that had a dream and had supportive parents and went there and reached for the sky and, and pulled down the stars. So very proud of that kid. You know, and I think that that's a very heartwarming story and, and certainly shout out to, Jungle Boy and, and his family, first of all, for having the, the support, which is such a big, big deal, but also having a dream and following through and, and putting in the time and putting in the hard work and clearly it's paid off. I, I do have to point out though, Rick, and, and forgive me if I'm you know stepping out of turn here, but I, I can't have my show and not point this out. I, I really have a problem with Jungle Boy hanging out with a dinosaur and the reason why is because there's so much going on in the world today. I mean, Jesus, we got, we got a pandemic. We have murder hornets. We have uh, fire tornadoes. We got all kinds of crazy things going on in the world. And I just don't understand a guy that digs up a dinosaur and is hanging out with them. I, I just think that if he would, would ditch the dinosaur, then maybe I could you know get behind him a little bit more. But because he's carrying on and doing these sort of things – I just don't know about him, man. I just, I don't, I really don't. Well, a boy and his dinosaur, you know, in, in my opinion, next uh, Jurassic Express is the next AEW tag team champions, the uncrowned ones. They're coming. Yeah, I, I just, I, and you know what? You're probably right. But again, how fair is it that anyone has to wrestle a dinosaur? And for, and for Jungle Boy to be the person to cultivate that relationship and push this on to everybody, I, I don't know if I can call Space Force. If there's anybody out there, the World Wildlife Fund, you know, the original WWF, whomever, <laughs> somebody get in touch with me and let's see if we can figure out what to do about Jungle Boy in this dinosaur business because I just, I don't know, Luchasaurus, which, you know, that's kind of a poor name to, to hide your dinosaur. I mean, clearly we can see it's a dinosaur. It doesn't matter what you call them. It's a dinosaur. But that's no, most definitely. That yeah. most definitely another story for another time another story for another time you know rick it's we, we talk about your students and clearly you're a dad you're a trainer you're somebody who is proud about passing down what you've learned to the next generation in life professionally the whole nine yards there which is really cool another one of your students who has essentially taken the world by storm 
is Thunder Rosa. And here's somebody who legitimately has not been in the business very long. I mean, we talk about that whole seven-year mark where you start to figure it out. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but is she even at the seven-year mark yet? No, still, still climbing to the seven years. Oh, you know, God. I was, I was reading a, uh, an article, uh, probably a couple weeks ago, um, that said Thunder Rosa may be the most important pivotal professional wrestler in the year 2020. And I said, you know what, man, that is that, that's the greatest thing for me to, to be able to see. Another, this is, an, I, I don't know why I'm gifted with, with people that have great stories, but uh, Thunder Rosa is another great story. Not, not even born in the United States, born in Tijuana, travels to the U.S., right? Becomes a resident here, uh, goes to college here, meets her husband, starts working with, with troubled youth, uh, at, at a, at a, at a housing, at a group home, um, from that group home, Thunder Road gets her in inspiration to want to pursue becoming a professional wrestler, takes that, that group home and transforms it into her name of Thunder Rosa, um, signs up with a wrestling school, completely gets shafted. Uh, you know, the money disappears due to the owner passing away and really doesn't know what to do, really takes a hard hit from it, but shakes it off, dusts it off, goes back, starts training out at the same school in Pacifica where, where Starboy Charlie came from, um, and really just won't give up is a small, brittle girl who speaks broken English with a college education and a dream and just will not give up and and really focuses on her in-ring ability, focuses on her body and her fitness and just starts making moves. Like, trains and trains and trains wrestles with the local independent promotions and then one day just goes you know what this isn't all that there's there for me and at the time uh melissa anderson cheerleader melissa also known as uh Alyssa flash in in tna or uh raisha saeed under the mask with awesome kong she's she comes in and she's she's trying to get in better shape to go back to japan get get the rust off all this stay stay you know stay focused in wrestling comes in and starts working around and she wants to work around with the girls and from that opens an opportunity for thunder rosa to go to japan and here she is on tour and literally i am training her overseas while she's in japan i'm here in california in the states and i am going to shows or going to training and I'm filming moves step by step on how to do them. And then I'm sending them evening here over there and she's getting them the next morning in Japan. And then she's waking up and waking up someone in the dojo with her and going down to the ring and working out and, and using the moves that I'm showing her and then turning around and on, on the events that evening utilizing what she just learned. So literally I'm training from California to Japan over social media, which is a beautiful thing to be able to do that and keeping her with fresh moves that I, she's sending me matches back and I'm watching her do what we went over Um, to the point that she comes back and goes, you know what? I don't want to wrestle here no more. I'm going to, but, but I want bigger and better things. So she goes down and she gets the trial with Lucha Underground and then it becomes more of a training or one-on-one. I have a ring at my, at my location where I live, and she's now traveling from where she lives to my house to get one-on-one training. And we just really start developing that Cobra Moon character, how, how a snake moves and what she needs to do, you know, uh, what moves would a snake use and, and what's a finisher for her and how, how can we get some moves 
that'll make her look different than everybody else. And we're really working on this with, you know, my, my brother, me and her, uh, even, even my daughter, who I think at the time was like 13, uh, we're taking her and she's putting moves on my, my daughter to make sure she could perfect them. And the fact of the matter is, is she goes out and she does it. And lo and behold, she decides, you know what? California's not here for me. I need to move to Texas. They run their own promotion out there. They're doing their thing. And then just business just keeps picking up. With She she has literally traveled the world. She has wrestled in Canada, Mexico, Europe, uh, Japan. There's There's nothing really that hasn't came her way. Lucha Underground under her belt. And then here comes the knocking for the, what at the time should have been a, a chance to go to the WWE. Uh, but the, the hurricanes and the floods kind of postponed that. And then everything happened again with another natural disaster, which postponed it again. And then NWA contacted her during that. And here she goes there becomes women's world champion. One of the most recognized championships there was at the time for women wrestling. And then AEW is now knocking at her door and here she is uh, wrestling the AEW women's champion. And I'm watching the match and here she is putting on that, uh, that Mexican stretch into a standing pendulum. And that's something that she put my 13 year old daughter in at my house. And my daughter is watching going, Hey, she did that to me. And it kind of brings it just all full circle. Like I didn't see Mel. I didn't see Thunder Rosa in the ring at AEW at that time. I was flashbacking to her learning the moves and then realizing she's doing it on national television at one of the biggest stages as one of the most recognized women's champion and she has fulfilled her dream and still is climbing higher and higher so i'm very gifted to have great people walk into my life and to even just be able to push their stories out to people like hey this is the real story behind the person like I don't have anything bad I can say about any of the people I've spoke about today. So, I mean, Thunder has a little bit of a temper on her, but if you talk to her long enough, you hear that out of her own voice. But they're all great people, man, and I'm just I'm so glad just to even have been a, a sliver of time in their life to, if anything, I taught them to help them move forward. And and currently, like I said, another one of my students. Big Juicy Finale just got his shot on Game Changer Wrestling, and he's going down there again this weekend. I got three other students that are that are technically four other students that are trying to get on that GCW show uh, in Anaheim this weekend, and I hope all of them land something. I have thirty students total currently at the time. I probably had at least ninety students in my career, and I wish each and every one of them success. I've I've told all my students. And my success is uh, my story. My legacy is not going to be on what wrestling personified Rick luxury did in the ring on a show or what championships he won or where he was. It's going to be, my legacy is going to be the students that I've trained and what they do is where my legacy will come in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and good luck to all of the students, especially the ones who are looking to either get on the card or on the cards. Uh, this weekend coming up here, I want to I want to back up just for a second um, and and relay a story that I've never told before, because you talked about Thunder Rosa and, and the fact that she has a little bit of a temper. It's <laughs> really funny. Um, and folks who listen to Duke Loves Wrestling, they they have heard Thunder Rosa on the show numerous times. The first time I interviewed her is when she was with Wild Superheroes. She had just switched from Cobra Moon to uh, Serpentine, the Luchador Serpentine. And we had a conversation, you know, they, while set up the interview, you know, I had a relationship with those folks over there and shout out, good luck to them, hope to see them back out there soon. Um, but they set up the interview and, and talking to her. And I had already been familiar with her work on the Indies anyway, uh, Thunder Rosa. So we get on the line with each other. And I, I do my standard. Is there anything you, you want to talk about or you don't want to talk about? And I think she was testing me, Rick, because she goes, yeah, 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 this, this, that. And I'm like, okay. 
And she told me something, and I'm not going to relay what the something is. I never told this story before, but she told me something, and I, I swear to this day, and I'm going to ask her next time I talk to her, if she was testing me, because I stayed within the lines, and I, and I didn't cross the lines, and you know, at first she was kind of like, because listen, the wrestling business is tough, and there's a lot of people who are just not reputable, give each other a hard time. There are a lot of people who go out of their way to hurt others or try to interfere with their careers. So it's not uncommon for a wrestler to be kind of cautious, especially when they're interacting with me, a podcaster for the first time, right? Because I'm I'm technically an extension of the media and this can go one or of two ways. You're either going to get put over or something's going to happen and you're not looking so well. So it's, it's important that you protect yourself and, and what have you. And I, I totally get that. So I think she was testing me. And sure enough, I was, I was very respectful and, and protective of her. And from that moment forward, you know, we really have developed a nice relationship, um, you know, great friendship, her and, and Brian, her husband and what have you, just really unbelievable, incredible people and huge hearts and and they do so much for others on a consistent basis which is just tremendous to see i got a lot of time for that family um but it's funny that you mentioned the temper because absolutely she was like yeah man you know don't do this and don't do that and i'm like okay (laughs) this this little lady who could beat the hell out of anybody mind you right there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fighting that that small frame there but she was she was very direct about what she wasn't going to do and, and, and what have you. And sure enough, man, it colored within the lines and, and it was a great interview, got some, some good press. And, you know, from there, everything else was just, you know, gravy. But it's, it's a reminder that we're talking about human beings and we're talking about people in a very difficult, very insensitive at times industry. And you know this all too well. You've been in it for over two decades. And at the end of the day, most of the people that you encounter in wrestling are, are truly good people. And the, the, the challenge is sometimes they're put in not so good situations and that can sour anybody. You know what I mean? So to hear you tell the stories about not just Thunder Rosa, but all your students and what have you. And it's just so great to hear because it's a reminder to everybody listening. We're talking about human beings, man. And everybody has a story. And forget about the character that you see on TV, whether you're cheering them or whether you're booing them. Just, you know, remember, these are, these are human beings here. These are real people with dreams. And they're, they're out here to entertain us, and that's great and what have you. But they're, they're out here to reach their goals in life as well. So a little bit of grace goes a long way. So I just wanted to point that out there, Rick. You were about to make a point about your, your students for the weekend, though. Oh yeah, I got a I got a couple of guys. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure GCW will let people use their names. It's not like you know the the big fed <clears throat> where uh you your name might be Aaron Joseph and they'll call you Bradley Rotten uh, on TV just to, so they can they don't have to utilize or give you any of your own thing. But yeah, I got a student of mine, Alpha Zoe, Cliff Hendricks, uh, Serza. Uh, D Rogue, these guys are all jumping in a car with Big Juicy going down to LA for Game Changer Wrestling in Anaheim. And I hope all of them get on. And if so, I hope my boy KG, Kevin Gill, the commentator there, kind of puts it over like, yo, all these guys from the same area, like this is a place to be keeping your eyes on East Bay. Um, but yeah, you know, I wish nothing for the best of them. You know, I always tell these guys too, uh, when they come to training, I say, look guys, life is hard. There's no simplicity about life because if life was easy, no one would want to live life because it would be too simple. You know, life is hard. Life is tough. And hey, you're going to get roadblocks thrown in your way, potholes in the road, uh, you know, change your direction, detours. It's, it's going to happen. And no matter what negativity throughout their day happens, I always tell them, check your baggage at the door. When you walk into my facility, you're here to learn. You're here to provide for others. You're, you're putting your safety in the hands of someone else and their safety in your hands. And I need clear mind, body, and soul when you walk through that door. 
I said, I'm not saying that when you walk out of this store that life won't hit you right in the face again and you got to pick that baggage back up and run with it. But for those couple of hours each day, we're here for the betterment of your career, your dreams, to make it all reality, to check all that at the door. And uh, some people are able to do that very well. Now, now I'm not trying to jump back to Thunder Rosa, but that temper she has, I think, you know, I always say pro wrestling is an outlet. Anything that you have going on, go in the ring, bump it out. You know, get that anger out of your body, bump it out, train hard, sweat it out. I think for Thunder, though, that temper she has is a little too much for just pro wrestling, and maybe that's why she got into the world of MMA. Maybe she just needed to hit things a little harder to help, you know, get that little bit of temperament out. But that's the Latina in here, and I love her to death. But, yeah, I always tell my students, man, that this is an outlet, that this is a way to, you know, take take life and all the beatings that you get on a daily basis, whether it's from family or friends or the lack of or just your work or traffic or your show getting canceled on TV, whatever the small thing could be, they all, the smallest thing can weigh on you and be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back because you never see how much things are just stacking up. So I always tell my students, no matter what, this is a place, this is a safe zone. You could come in here and just let it out, bump it out, scream it out, you know, whatever you have to do, just, Get it out of your system. Always leave here feeling better than you did when you came in. You know, Rick, we've talked about you as a father and as a trainer, obviously as a wrestler. Why don't you let everybody know? Because I know that there's a lot of folks listening who are either interested in getting into pro wrestling or they're already in wrestling and and maybe they're just not satisfied with the training that they've had or they want to continue to improve and what have you. What's the best way folks can reach out to you and, and check out the school and, and all that good stuff there? Uh, if you want to check out the school, we're on Facebook. It's East Bay Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Um, we're also on Instagram, East Bay Pro Wrestling. Uh, we have a training academy. Right now we're running uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evenings. We're also running Sunday mornings. Uh, we have two rings. We have a class of 30 students right now between beginners and semi-pro and advanced and advanced semi-pro. Um, yeah, we're, we're there. You can, you can find us on social media on, on all the big social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's East Bay pro wrestling. And that's, that's East Bay B A Y like the East Bay of California pro wrestling, not, B-A-E, like you're my bae. <laughs> but uh, East Bay Pro Wrestling, you can reach out to me on social media. Uh, you can you can hit me on Facebook, uh, Wrestling Personified Rick Luxury. That's wrestling, the word. Not wrestling like Duke loves, but wrestling, W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G, Personified, P E R. S-O-N-I-F-I-E-D, Rick, and that's not the normal way you spell it. I'm improper. R-I-K, Luxury, L-U-X-U-R-Y. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, send me a request. I'll add you guys. If you're on Twitter, it's just at Rick Luxury, R-I-K-L-U-X-U-R-Y. If you're on Instagram, once again, it's still just Rick Luxury, R-I-K-L-U-X-U-R-Y. If you want to send me an email for some reason, that's cool. It's R-I-K-L-U-X-U-R-Y at hotmail.com. Um, yeah, I, I, you can hit me on Messenger. I'm always up on Facebook Messenger to chat with anybody about pro wrestling. In fact, I, I just got a fan the other day that has vision problems that contacted me and just he's from california up north and really just wants to learn more about the business he says that there's probably never a chance that he can ever step in the ring um and i had to tell him i'm visually impaired and have been since i was 13 years old so never is a is a bad thing to say especially if you have a goal and a dream i was told by a doctor at uh 11 that my vision was going out and at 13 i was told not to do amateur wrestling and I told the doctor, what do you want me to live in a bubble? 
like even living in a bubble, something can happen. And I, he was afraid that if I got hit, I could lose my vision. I said, well, what if I'm riding a bike down the street or I'm walking and a car decides to jump a curb? At that point, I could lose my vision as well. So why don't I just live my life? And if it happens, it happens. And we'll just go from there. So uh, I was advised by a doctor not to wrestle amateur wrestling and definitely probably never get into pro wrestling. But this was my dream and my desire. So I never let anybody tell me I can't achieve anything, just like I tell my children uh, and my students. I tell my kids and my students the same thing. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do what you want to do. I'm living proof that no matter what, visually impaired with horrible vision, not ever able to drive my own car, uh, I can't read menus, um, the the internet is horrible to me. Um, people are amazed by me being able to go in there and do what I've done for 21 years. But that's because with a dream, there's a drive. And if you have that drive, nobody can tell you you can't do it. So in that case, anybody that's interested in being a professional wrestler uh, or already is and just feels that they're not just getting that attention that they need, I have all the attention and time in the world. Reach out to me, relocate, come train with me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated. My Like I said, my career is not going to be what I do in the ring anymore. And I learned that. Uh, a long time ago that, you know, my, my desire and dream for professional wrestling spans way more than just me being an active competitor. This is not a, a hobby. I'm not a weekend warrior. This is a full-time uh, career for me. This is all I want to do. And even when I have to step out of the ring because I can't compete any, any longer, I'm still going to train people, mentor people, and coach people because – this is what I believe I was put on earth to do. And like we said, like you said earlier, Duke, I'm here to spread the knowledge and the tools that were given to me. And there's a lot of things that I train that were taught to me 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago that I don't see a lot of people training anymore. And, and pro wrestling is, is technically almost a dying art. There are so many aspects to pro wrestling that if they're not continued on and passed on from the generations that knew them, they're going to die. There are things that I guarantee that Lou Fez did in pro wrestling that have not been utilized in 30 years. And if no one ever passes that knowledge on, then it dies with Lou Fez. And And my thing is I want to pass on every ounce of knowledge that I've ever learned to anyone willing to learn it so that one day it will continue past me, past them. And as long as there's pro wrestling on the earth, which technically, if you think back in the annals of time, Lincoln was wrestling people on battlefields. There was pro wrestling somehow, some way, some form pro wrestling has existed since the annals of time. Uh, There's been some kind of competitive sport of wrestling uh, and as long as it continues, I want every ounce of knowledge that I ever had passed on to people so they can continue it on. Such a great conversation with Rick Luxury, just a really great person. And, you know, there's a lot going on for Rick, with Rick. And Rick doesn't lead with the day-to-day challenges that he faces on a personal level. He leads with pride in his students and their accomplishments and his philosophy on pro wrestling, what have you. But to think that this guy, you know, he has side issues. How the hell can you be a pro wrestler with, with side issues and, and to be able to train people as effectively and as well as he has? It's just, you know, I really tip my hat to him. And, you know, what's funny about that is that Rick never told me that before. So I was hearing about that for the first time, just like you were. So just incredible. Um, there are so many folks who are, are just, you know, they're like heroes among us. You know, some of you listening are, are just that as well. So it's just a reminder that the things that we have in life that could hinder us, you could potentially turn that into a strength, right? Because you find a way and you work on it. Uh, you find a way to not allow it to trip you up or slow you down as much as it should. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the things that I am the best at are probably the things that don't come naturally to me. Seriously, 
If it doesn't come naturally to me, I will spend more time and effort into improving on this particular thing, this action, this this way of life, in order to become proficient at it, you know? Because it's stuff that comes naturally. You don't have to think about it. You can just get it done. Boom. But it's that other stuff, man. These, you know, for whatever reason, if it's a, a challenge, and maybe it's because you have a physical ailment or what have you, but the main idea is if you attack it and you focus on it and you make it something that every single day you're not going to allow to stop you from accomplishing your goals, you just, you become a, you become a Rick luxury, right? Just as a superstar. So got a lot of time for Rick and definitely we'll have him back on the show. Great guy. And in fact, I got a special birthday message for a friend of the show and an indie pro wrestler. And that's coming up next week. I'm not going to say who it is. I won't spoil the surprise, but next week you'll hear a special birthday message from Rick luxury to a friend of the show. So that'll be exciting there. You know, you folks, it, it's, it's really cool because there's a lot going on in pro wrestling. As we know, we're in the fall. It's one of the best times of the year for pro wrestling. And I'm seeing a lot, so many great things. I mean, listen, Impact Wrestling, for example, they, they have Bound for Glory, which is coming up on October 24th. So that's this Saturday. And such a stacked card. Such a stacked card. I, I didn't want to end the show without talking about this. I mean, the, the main event is Eric Young versus, versus uh, Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. You know it's going to be a good match. You know both of these guys know what they're doing. It's going to be a good match, of course. But it's the undercard that I'm even more excited about. I mean, Motor City Machine Guns versus the Good Brothers versus the North versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Four-way tag team title match. That's going to be a damn car crash, but it's going to be deliberate because everybody in there can work, right? Deanna Perrazzo, who is the Impact uh, Knockouts champion, she's going to take on Kylie Ray. Remember Kylie Ray, Smiley Kylie Ray? She was up in um, AEW when they first launched. She's with Impact. Deanna Perrazzo was in NXT for a while. The Virtuosa, right? I think she actually wrestled on Raw or SmackDown a few times, too. She just signed a long-term contract with Impact, so congratulations to Deanna Perrazzo. I still am a little frustrated with her because she's taller than Jordan Grace, and I think it's disrespectful to be taller than Jordan Grace, even though I'm taller than Jordan Grace, but so what? I can do it. You can't do it. Anyway, uh, I'm really looking forward to that match because I think it's going to be a, a very technically sound and serious uh, endeavor here. You know, there's definitely going to be body parts that are worked. It's not going to be a lot of flippy-dippy, peanut-butter-skippy foolishness out there. It's going to be the good stuff. So looking forward to that match. There is uh, Rahit Raju versus Chris Bay. Shout out versus Trey Miguel versus TJP versus Jordan Grace versus Willie Mack. A six-way scramble match for the X Division title. Hello. So my money is on either Chris Bay or Jordan Grace. Either one of them, I think, could take this. Um, but I, I can't wait to see this match. I think it's there's so many different types of styles that all complement each other, and it's going to be a hell of a match there. Looking forward to that. We're finally going to get EC3 versus Moose, and it's going to happen in an undisclosed location, whatever that means. But I just want these two to just beat the hell out of each other. Please, just get it over with. Boston bad boy in his own right, Eddie Edwards versus uh, Ken Shamrock, my guy. Shout out to The Rock, the legend, Ken Shamrock. And Shamrock's going to have that no good Sammy Callahan in his corner, so that's interesting. And then you you have, and I started from the top and I worked my way down, folks. And I don't know what the match order is going to be. This is just the way I see it. But then you have something interesting. They're bringing back the call your shot gauntlet. Okay. Two competitors start the match. After a time interval, another will enter the fray. Eliminations occur by throwing your opponent over the top rope. This process will continue until there are only two competitors remaining. The final two will compete in a singles match to be won by pinfall or submission. Now, whoever scores the victory will earn a future title opportunity of their choosing. Okay, so 
and you know, per Scott D. Moore, the first 10 participants have been announced. Listen to this. Heath, the man formerly known as Heath Slater in the WWE. So Heath, Rhino, right? Former ECW world champion, Rhino, Hernandez, AC Romero, Larry D, Brian Myers. You remember him from WWE, Tommy Dreamer, and then get this, Tanil Dashwood, former Emma in the WWE, Taya Valkyrie, and Havoc, who is over in uh, Wild Superheroes there, Havoc. So just a, a hell of a mix of men and women in this one match here, which starts off as basically a battle royal, and then it's going to end as an actual one-on-one match. So I'm excited about Bound for Glory 2020. I, I just I can't wait to watch it again Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be on the Fight TV app. So please, if you don't have it already, get the Fight TV app. You definitely want to watch this card. It's probably going to be one of the better wrestling cards of the year just because it's well-matched, right? Each of the, of the matches there, you have competitors who complement each other in the ring. So I don't think there's going to be a, a dead spot throughout the whole card. I think it's just going to be a good time. So, and I love that. And I love the fact that Impact continues to lead the charge on how to utilize women wrestlers in an effective and, and innovative way, right? They, they wrestle each other. They wrestle against the men. They're everywhere. They're in the, the tag teams. They're in the singles match. They're in the battle royal. They're everywhere because that's the way it should be. There's, there's nothing that a man can do that a woman can't do in pro wrestling. Okay, let me say that again. There is nothing that a man can do that a woman can't do in pro wrestling, period. Forget about the fact that it's a predetermined uh, entertainment medium. You can book you can book me to beat Brock Lesnar right now. Okay, I'll be like Will Smith. I think I could beat Mike Tyson, whatever. You can book me to beat Brock Lesnar. I can do it (laughs) if you book it that way. Come on. So don't give me that. Well, it's not believable. Whatever you I mean, May Young gave birth to a hand. That's not believable. Okay. I don't believe that Kane can set people on fire. All right? Come on. Be honest with yourself. Enough of the foolishness. So there's no reason why the women can't be in these matches and do what they do. And, you know, a lot of these women could beat the hell out of the men anyway. I think Jordan Grace could, could crush just about everybody in that match that she has. And, and you know something? Between Havoc and Taya Valkyrie, I'd say the same thing about their match. You, you, think, you think Tommy Dreamer can beat up Havoc? Good luck to that. Good luck to that. Of course not. Larry D is going to, to beat up Ty Valkyrie. Good luck to that. I don't think so. So, you know, I, I just, I, I got a lot of time for Impact Wrestling because they, they do it right. You know who doesn't do it right? Uh-oh. <laughs> AEW. I just, I keep coming back to the same thing here because they just keep messing it up. They didn't even advertise a women's match for Dynamite this past week. They got a pay-per-view coming up where they announced most of their card. They didn't even advertise a women's match. So just going to slap something together just like they did this week. And I was happy to see Kylan King in there against Dr. Britt Baker. I'm a big fan of both of those ladies. But come on. There's no real commitment to women's wrestling in AEW. I mean, that is clear. The biggest star that they've promoted over the past six months, quite frankly, was Thunder Rosa. And she's not even with the company. Now, mind you, she's absolutely the best wrestler on the, on the roster, male or female, anytime she was on an on a, uh, AEW card. But she's not, even, she's not even under contract with them. She's an NWA wrestler. So, <laughs> you know, even that was bizarre. It didn't make any sense when you really think about it. And I still think AEW should do what they have to do to sign her because they clearly need her. But that's a whole other level of conversation. I, I just, it, it's... It boggles my mind some of this stuff, folks. It really does. You know, I, I don't have any faith in that company when it comes to presenting women's wrestling in an effective and respectful manner. I just don't because all they do is foolishness. I mean, we got a pay-per-view coming up. Can anyone tell me one storyline that would be a natural progression in regard to having a match on the pay-per-view? Is there even one? I don't know of it. <laughs> that's why they're not advertising a women's match because they don't have women in, in legitimate storylines with conflicts and something up for grabs against each other. And when's the last time the women's tag titles were, were defended? Didn't they have a tournament? I mean, 
do do we not get women's tag team matches anymore that mean anything? I I don't know if we ever did, be honest with you. And then they got a men's tournament happening right now that's been primarily on TV, on Dynamite. But the women's tag tournament was, other than the final, I believe it was all on YouTube. So it just, you know, I don't know. It's it's the same old garbage. I'm not even going to get into the fact that Sonny Kiss literally took two moves and was just completely destroyed in his match against Kenny Omega. That's a whole other issue. I'm not going to get into the fact that they spent more time showing women dancing on AEW Dynamite than they did women wrestling. It's just, it's, it's insulting. It's embarrassing. But make sure you pony up those, that $50 to be part of AEW Heels. Because women, you need to pay in order to get women's content. That's, that's what they think of you. So I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. I just, I don't understand it. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's ridiculous. Andrew Yang, he, he, he wants to, you know, call for hearings and what have you and investigate the WWE. I, I think that's disingenuous. If you're attacking the, the wrestling industry, that's great because you need to check out AEW as well. Show me some integrity there, Andy. <laughs> and I've challenged him. I've invited him to come on this show for months now. Andrew Yang, former presidential candidate, because I want to know if this is just a political hit job he's trying to do on WWE on behalf of potential political donors, right? Andy, how many people, uh, you know, connected to AEW have donated to the Yang campaign or have allowed you to, you know, they've hosted events or what have you, where you've been the, the primary speaker or the fundraisers or what have you, or you know, maybe paid for some hotel rooms and put you up. Come on. I want to know. And just so you know, Andrew Yang, I do my research. So, you know, you probably don't want to come on this show because I'm going to, I'm going to call you out on, on the garbage because that's all it is. It's ridiculous. AEW is occupied and, and focused on the wrong stuff. And they have their, their little hit job folks like Andrew Yang out there trying to take shots at the WWE when they're, they're probably just as bad, if not worse. And my thing is this, listen, dig into the WWE, you know, put, put a, a, a square foot up their, their hind parts. That's great because they do need to be called out for their poor business practices. And I'll tell Vince Kennedy McMahon that to his face. I don't care, but damn it. <laughs> don't act like you're, you're, you need to prop up another company in their place because they're all messed up. So let's put it all on the table. That's all I'm saying. What do I know? Join us next week, folks, where there'll be more great conversation and more rants from me because, you know, I haven't given you one of those in a while. So I've been, I've been saving that up. But, you know, about to go on a string of rants every week. Got to get back into that. You guys have been, been asking me where the rants at. Okay, well, I got plenty to say. So going to let it out, baby. That's right. Until next time, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.